Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. actually knew this but i'm pretty sure stan bowman's actually currently trying he's still currently trying to sell the uh, or trade down the third pick to vancouver to see if he can dump the oh, Brent oh. for a contract oh cool cool thanks hey this is a podcast uh it's brad brandon and dave we're uh we're we're here we're gonna talk some hockey we're gonna talk some nhl draft and a, a copious amounts of other things but happy wednesday to everybody um yeah, no, really. I was this close to being right. I was this close to being right. Oh, about the about the Hawks trying to trade down their pick. I was this close. I was this close. Yeah, but you didn't add in the part about Seabrook. So I, hey, I didn't need the details. I was this close. That's all right. Brandon Kane is the ultimate uh, draft genius on this website, apparently, because Homeboy figured it out. But um, suck it. <laughs> 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 and Brandon Kane, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, uh, in case anybody didn't hear the news, um, the, uh, the, 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 the general manager, I can speak, the general manager of your Chicago Blackhawks, Stan Bowman, tried, legitimately tried to trade down in the 2019 draft uh, from third to 10 to get the Vancouver Canucks to jump up to third so they could get Bowen Byram. However, the condition was the Vancouver Canucks needed to pick up all the rest of Brent Seabrook and his gaudy monstrosity of a contract. And I'm going to start with Brandon because I feel like Dave's going to be too sensible about this. Brandon, <laughs> did Vancouver make a mistake? Was it a missed opportunity? I, first of all, I love Stan Bowman for trying that. Yeah, I mean, I almost put at the end of that post, like, the Bart Simpson, like, cake gif, where he's like, well, at least you tried, and dumps it in the can. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what that was. It was like, hey, this is, like, the opportunity. Like, if, if here's an asset for you. Like, not going to get any bigger than, yeah, not going to get any bigger than this. So, um, swing for the fences, and if you don't get it, hey, man, you tried. Good on you. Um because we've seen that over the last couple months where Stan Bowman's made a move and been like, well, hindsight, not great. Let me fix it. All right, I got it. I did it. I turned this thing around. <laughs> Everybody and, needs a mulligan sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 
he knows it's a bad contract. Like I'm so good. Step one is acceptance. You know, I'm, I'm totally okay with him trying to move Seabrook at least. And if you're, I tried to put myself in Vancouver's shoes today. Uh, hearing I'm sorry. About, we're, we're recording on Monday. Um, first of all, Bowman needed to try to do that with Edmonton and not Vancouver, but uh, close. Um, you got the whole Canada thing, I guess. No, I, I tried to put myself in Vancouver's shoes to think, would this have done anything for me? And I'm, obviously you're getting Bowen Byram, um, which thank God that means that he wouldn't go to Colorado, which I mean, hell, Colorado is going to be a beast in this division for a long time. And I don't think we're prepared to talk about that entirely other than that's the take. But I do know that if I was Vancouver, I mean, I don't hate the play, especially because Alexander elders, what? 32, 33 as the assistant. He's he's, He's getting up there. He's been around forever. God. As their, as their top-line defenseman, so they're going to have to replace him eventually. And Seabrook's clearly a lower-tier defenseman, but he starts, um, if not in the four position, definitely in the you know five or six spot. So, I mean, you at least get a reliable kind of lower-line defenseman, and then, and then ultimately you get the face of your defensive line. You, you get the face of your blue line for years to come, ideally, if you pick up Bone Byram. I don't know. I... I could see it going both ways, but I, again, obviously it wasn't necessarily a need. And with the cap space that Vancouver does have, which they did have 12 mil last I checked, um, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. I don't know. Dave, what do you, what do you think of the, the attempt to move Seabrook and move down in the draft um, and ultimately it not happening? I, I think ultimately I'm kind of relieved it didn't happen just because dropping down to 10, I, I, I think there's a time and a place to, to do that move. And I, I give points to creativity for Bowman, but I don't know if that would have been the best place for it. Cause you know, you don't always get a number three pick, especially with the way the Hawks lucked into that number three pick. Like I, I don't know if I would have liked it if it had happened. I mean, if they still ended up doc somehow that would have been uh, incredible, but uh I, I don't think that's the best place to make that move. So I guess in hindsight, it, it kind of worked out in their favor. But it, it shows that, like you were talking about, that they're they're obviously trying to do this. And so um, I, I think this maybe this might lead to some opening some doors to a future trade somewhere else. Hopefully, it doesn't cost quite as much as you know giving away the number three pick in the draft. That'd be pretty or something equivalent to that. Because um, I'm still still ringing my or still hurting from the last time the Hawks did something like that when they traded Tavo for uh with the Brian Bickle deal mm-hmm. so it didn't work out the last time they had to shed an asset to shed a salary uh so hopefully it works better this time around but um I I got a feeling their Seabrook's name will be at the top of the list of of uh any conversation Stan Bowman has in the next week or two which would have been the perfect segue there to talk about how we've traded with Carolina again but we're not going to get there yet um, let's quick rundown else on this draft thing. If they oh, bring it, if this did happen, um, they would have had two choices just based on how their draft went. They would have taken Matthew Boldy or Vasily Podkolzin. And I feel like trading Seabrook and then taking Boldy, it would have been taken easier by fans than if they were to take pod Colson with like the whole two year wait thing going on. 
you get my rationale on that? Like yeah. people have been really pissed about it. But I feel like Steve Eiserman would have still done Steve Eiserman things with Detroit in the sixth pick to pick up Sider or whatever the you know I, I don't wait no he's not French he's German um <laughs> you know like so close I, I so I feel like both of them were available at ten so that doesn't yeah matter. I well I so I still feel like. Again, ultimately, I still, I still feel like Sider is the one who, who gets picked. So ultimately, that pick gets taken away at six. And then didn't Edmonton draft a defenseman? So yeah. ideally, yeah. if Bowen Byram goes at three, that, that means you have four, five, eight, nine, ten. So of those five picks, you have Kirby Doc, Bowen Byram, Trevor Zegris, um, Pod Colson, Dylan Cousins. Um, oh, LA would have taken Doc. Would they though? Yes. Dude, I don't think they need the size. I think they need the speed. Everyone needs the speed. Yeah, I think I think they would have stayed. I don't think they would have gone with Kirby Doc. I think they either st- they probably stick with that Turcotte pick or something. You think um, that the Avalanche are going to pass on Turcotte? I think the Avalanche, well, because, yeah, I guess assuming Bowen Byram, um, well, I, I guess it, it all depends. Would they need Turcotte or would they go Doc? What I'm saying, ultimately what I'm getting at, is that you, you still end up with a guy that, first of all, isn't Vasily Podkolzin, um, who ultimately, again, it's a two-year project instead of maybe just a one-year project. It's probably another center, I would assume, unless it's Zegris, which, fine. Or, you know, if you really wanted, you could go get Cole Caulfield, who dropped all the way down to 15th in the draft. Um, This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You know, I, ultimately, I think that there, you could have traded off that pick, still gotten a really good offensive piece. Maybe you don't, get, you don't quite get the size that you would have wanted and clearly what the Blackhawks are trying to go more towards, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world to dump off a massive contract like Brent Seabrooks, still have a top 10 pick, and then ideally it wouldn't be Pod Colson, just because, again, you don't want the two-year project who could ultimately turn around and bite you in the ass for uh, sticking in the KHL, which we don't know if that's going to be a thing or not, but, you know, 
shout out to Steve Eisenman for being Steve Eisenman and going with a just ridiculous pick. Um, anyways, but that's not what happened. Uh, the Blackhawks took Kirby Doc, which um, I like two second reaction to because I wasn't on the the immediate reaction pod. Is it's not the sexy pick, but it's a good pick, and we'll see how he plays out. Um, the uh, the really interesting thing, though, and this is what we wanted to touch on, was day two of the NHL draft. Um, more specifically, the uh, the pickup of one little Vlasic. Um, the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, after draft after drafting Kirby Doc with the third overall pick in the second round, took Alex Vlasic um, out of the Greater Wilmette area, um, whose mom is still a teacher. I think is she at New Trier? Do we know that? I don't know. I have no idea. We'll have the stats department look that one up. Anyways, um, Alex Vlasic, cousin of, uh, what is it, Monk, Mark Andre Vlasic of the uh, um, of the Mark San- Edward. Ed- Mark Edward Vlasic um, of, the, uh, of the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, that was a really awesome pick. I know Brandon's, like, psyched about this, so I'm going to let him ride. Uh, give us a little more information on Alex Vlasic. He's a big beefy boy. Um, I if <laughs> I would have preferred Ryan Johnson at this spot, but he went in the first round. Um, but of the two, Vlasic is a, a fine option. Um, his ceiling is probably a second pairing guy, um, but with the size that he brings, it's a nice counterbalance to what the Hawks have in the system currently. So, um, and he's not like a super defensive defenseman um he still has some skills um controlling the puck and being able to find his teammates with passes so um he'll probably spend two to three seasons at uh boston university i'd lean more on two Mm. and then one in the ahl and then i think he'd be nhl ready which with what the blackhawks have done in the past week with adding two left-handed defensemen. Um, pretty good timeline to have him mature mm. and then bring him in once those guys have had their contracts expired or been shipped off elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he brings a lot of power to the uh, to the blue line, like you mentioned too, which, again, was kind of the theme. They go with a six foot four, 200-pound center and follow it up with a six foot six defenseman. Um in uh, in in Alex Vlasic, yeah, he's six. I most. feel like if the uh, if the Blackhawks don't have a picture of Vlasic and Debrinket at um, <laughs> yeah training at, camp, uh, then they just camp, yeah. yeah, please, um, that'd be amazing. Dave, any thoughts on the uh, on the second round pick for the Chicago Blackhawks? No, well, the, the last name stands out obviously because of how good a career Mark Edward Vlasic has had with San Jose, and if the Hawks got the equivalent of that player in this version of Vlasic, that would be outstanding uh, compared to what else they have coming up in the system, as you mentioned. So um, the idealized version of that draft pick is exactly what the Blackhawks need. And there's everything I read. I uh, seem like he is a, uh, he's a pretty, he, there's a lot of good pedigree there. There's a lot of reason to believe he could reach that uh, type of player. So it, it was it was a pleasant surprise. Like usually after the first round of the NHL draft, I have no idea who the hell any of these guys are 
or what they're going to be. But hearing the name Vlasic kind of, you know, perks yours up a little bit. And um, I don't – I always seem to get excited whenever there's guys with prior sports lineage in their family tree. So having a guy who's got a cousin that was just as – that's been a solid NHL defenseman for over a decade is really encouraging to me. I don't know how encouraging other people find that, but I'm, all, I'm here for it. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. And they needed the size at defense, man. They really yeah, did. Yeah, guys like, like you can have, for example. They they definitely need some speed and some guys who can skate, but it also doesn't hurt to have some guys with size as well. But as long as those guys aren't just total pylons, they mm. still need to be able to move a little bit. Brent Seabrook in his heyday could could skate enough to get the job done. Shout out Brandon Davidson. Um, we want to uh, uh, we want to move to the fourth round. Shout out Jan uh, Ruda. Michael, yeah, good right. God, Michael Tepley. It's a New Year Day. If I'm turning over that page, Michael Tepley, left wing again, sticking with the size theme of the NHL draft this year for the Hawks. Six three one eighty seven. It's a big dude, uh, but on offense and homeboy's got a slap shot and a half. Um, Dave, anything from this area? Because he does play in the uh, in the Czech league. Um, anything from this? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was right. Yeah, six three one eighty seven. Um, anything about this pick uh, that you like, dislike, or again? I clearly we're going with the size theme here. Yeah, yeah, clearly. And this is where you start to get to the the, the guys that are, are a little bit more of a project. Um, and and there's. The main thing with Tepley is there is some offensive skill there. There's some Billy's got a really good shot, and he's a pretty good stick handler and passer as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of raving about his offensive ability. His skating doesn't seem to be very good, which can be a concern considering the way the NHL is going. Hmm. But he might have the the hands and the vision to make up for that, like kind of the way the Dylan Strom is right now. Hmm. I don't want to put them in the same category, but bigger guys who don't have the best feet can still get by in today's NHL as long as they have the hands and the vision to make up for it. So there's there's something there. Uh, it will be interesting to keep an eye on what he does within the next few months because there's talk that uh, I think Tepley actually told the media after he was selected, he's been playing in the Czech Republic, but he wants to come play up in the juniors in Canada next year to get him used to North American ice and kind of make him you know, closer to the Blackhawks so they can keep a closer eye on his development. So – um, seeing where he decides to play next year will be interesting to watch because that could help uh, – th- that you can keep a much better eye on him if he's playing up in Canada as opposed to playing in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And, Brandon, I know you touched on this a little bit in the uh, post-draft uh, reaction podcast, but players that are under 20 years old that go to play in the Canadian League, um, they they either play in the NHL or they play in Canada. They cannot play in the AHL until they are 20 years old, correct? Yeah, so like if Tepley were to go to the CHL next year and play, um, then two years out from being drafted, he could play in the AHL because he was drafted out of the Czech Republic and not from a CHL team. Gotcha, which is totally fine because if you look at the depth chart or you look at the organizational chart, we have so many left-wingers, which is fine. Um, Again, we'll take two years. It's not a problem. Um, uh, Do we want to skip Auntie Sorella because of today's news or yes, no, maybe so? You know what? We can touch on it later. Yeah, we'll skip him. Um, he's the uh, he's the other fourth round pick, which uh, 
which we'll, we'll talk about him because of news that happened today on Monday. Um, Dominic Bassey, a goaltender from the D.C. area, um, a prospect that a friend of the show and friend of the site, Kat Silverman, actually had some pretty decent words to talk, or uh, pretty decent words about, um, which is where uh, the Brandon Kane division kicks in here. Um, uh, Senor Kane, any idea in terms of where Dominic Bassey's going to fit in the, uh, in the line of goaltenders now that everybody is seemingly going to shift up a rung uh, in, the, uh, in the organizational chart? The very bottom. This was a waste of a pick. <laughs> this goes down exactly. in Antarctica. This is absolute garbage. I have no idea why they did well, this. Yeah, I I was <laughs> I wrote, I was trying to research him to write about him after they picked him, and I could not find anything about the guy. So there's, I mean, you know, ultimately could be good. Who knows? He's he's 18 years old and he's a goalie, so he is a huge project. He seems like the type of guy that may not, you know, like if that he might have gone undrafted this year might have come back next year and maybe gone like in the fourth or fifth round if he played better for a year or so mm. yeah I, I was with Brandon on this one like I, I I don't know what to say about the guy because there's just not a lot of information out there about him here's yeah. the, my here's thing the, is um, Mark Kelly said that they don't know where he's going to play next year mm-hmm. and yes that was the same case with Adam Boquist but that's Adam Boquist that's a top tier talent a surefire defenseman Right. Well, I'm not saying that, but um, with this kid, he's 18, and you don't you don't know if he's going to play in the USHL next year before he goes to Colorado College. You don't like how do you even draft a kid who's not even ranked by NHL Central Scouting, and then on top of that, you don't even know where he's going to play next year. That just seems idiotic when you have guys like Roddy Ross and Dustin Wolf who are top goaltenders in the WHL that were just sitting there and Ross went two picks later and then Wolf was a seventh rounder. And the only reason he fell that far is because he's small. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, he was one of the top, if, I mean, Ian Scott was the best goaltender in the WHL last year, but um, as far as like guys who weren't drafted yet, um, it was Wolf. So yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me because they had taken Alex Gravel last year. So, um, you don't need to. Who's been? Eh. I mean, you don't need to draft a goalie every year or every other year. Like the Hawks' formula was of drafting every a goalie every even year. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> there are much better goalie options, it seems. Um, but like Dave said, he's 18, so long road ahead. Um, and I don't know. Maybe Gravel doesn't pan out, but it just seems like a complete waste of a pick when you could have added a better goalie that right now, or you could have added a winger like Luca Bruzin went a couple picks later. He plays for the Brandon Wheat Kings, which obviously I would have enjoyed that. Uh, Um, (laughs) But the kid put up 40 goals last year. So um, yeah, there were just other options that were right around there that I felt would have been more useful for the Blackhawks. So it seems like every year, like NHL GMs or just general managers in pro sports in general, they want to show how smart they are in the draft by picking a guy that nobody else could think of. And I think that's what the Hawks did with this pick. 
What I think they did, though, is they went more off of frame as opposed to ability. He is huge. This is a six foot six goaltender that's currently 185 pounds. Yeah, my God. That's Ben Bishop. That's a very young Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop's got a way, I'm assuming, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. weighs more now because he's a grown adult man and Mm -hmm. this is still a teenager, but. Yeah, not 18. 6'6, 185, man. Get this kid some cheeseburgers. Love of God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> six six one eighty five like membership so, six seven two fifteen. I think what they need to do is like, you know, suck out some girth out of uh, Gravel and give it to this kid because wow, Gravel's like two right. And with that, we're <laughs> and gonna, we're done. Uh, we're gonna move on <laughs> to uh, Cole Mulberg, which uh, shout out to the, uh, the the kind of rhyming name. Um. I, we'll see. Uh, I mean, he's going back to the WHL anyways. Uh, another defenseman, but a right-handed defenseman, which oddly enough, if you're go- again, if you're going strictly off the organizational chart, is a sort of thin position. Um, so I get it, but I, eh? what do we think? Anything special? 6'2", 187. So again, kind of fits the size area. But any thoughts, guys? Go ahead, Brandon. This is all you. Um. He's the exact opposite of what Josh S is, um, who was taken last year in the seventh round. So S is a more defensive defenseman guy. And this year they went with the one who is more offensively minded and has kind of been compared to Bufflin as a guy in the WHL who could play forward if they really need it, but could be a defenseman too. So Mm. I don't know. I don't even know what's like when you get to the seventh round, it's just like, you're just throwing a dart at a board kind of deal. So yeah, hope you get something great. If not, oh well. Yeah, yeah. at least a decent AHL prospect. Um, but we did skip over somebody specifically, and it is because of news that had broke today, uh, Monday the 24th, that uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have traded Gustav Forsling and uh, sorry, defenseman Gustav Forsling and goaltender Anton Forsberg for uh, two players from the Carolina hurricane system. Uh, they picked up, uh, I can't think of his first name, Dahan. Um, thank you, Calvin Dahan and older brother of the Blackhawks fourth round draft pick, Alexi Sorella, uh, both again from the, uh, the Carolina hurricanes. Um, we'll get into those two a little bit, but, uh, but Alexi will join his younger brother, Auntie Sorella, who was drafted fourth, uh, or in the draft in the fourth round, uh, 123rd overall. Uh, Brandon, any thoughts on Ante before we get to Alexi? I like the pick. Um, he's got some offensive upside. He played center, I think, internationally, and then with his um, Liga team, it was kind of back and forth. Um, I think it was one or the other on that. Um, but... Very similar traits to his older brother, so um, it'll be interesting to see how those tools progress moving forward. Mm-hmm. Kind of the smaller frame, speedier, um, you know, offensive player. Uh, again, both coming from uh, from Finland, specifically Alexi playing with. Um, he was with Charlotte primarily last year, right? With the uh, with the Checkers, I thought. Um, yeah, yeah, I, he was their top guy. I've seen a few people were raving about how well he played for the checkers last year, which is not a problem because the checkers were kind of what the Tampa Bay lightning were supposed to be in the AHL last year. Um, 
in terms Except of for they uh, did the thing. Yeah, they did the thing. Um, they, won. <laughs> they did the thing they were supposed to do. So, um, but yeah, no, let's, uh, why, why we quickly have the, uh, the attention of everybody here Yeah, this trade coming today, um, on the heels of a comment that was, uh, that was given by Stan Bowman among, uh, among other things uh, said, one of the biggest comments that he made was basically that, look, this is not the hockey team that we want to field this season. We don't want to you know, make this the team that we work with. Um, there will be trades made. There will be players that get moved around um, because it's not the final product that we want to have. And sure enough, he goes and signs Alexi Sorella and, um, and, and my guy, Carl DeHaan. Um, not my guy. Uh, Calvin DeHaan. Calvin, thank you. Um, <laughs> Carl DeHaan's a good name, though. That is true. Um, so I, among among what has happened, and I know the um, uh, Shailen and Megan didn't get a chance to touch on this on the Monday show, um, the, the move made for uh, John Hayden traded away for uh, a, another Quenville, a cousin of Joel Quenville, John Quenville, um, uh, which happened, that happened on Friday morning. Um, before round two of the draft, and now this move here on Monday. Um, I'll start with Dave. What Do we think this is going to kind of be the norm in terms of the trades made this season? I mean, you've seen Stan Bowman now pick up um, – you've picked up a defenseman in Ali Mata, um, and then again, you've got two offensive prospects in Dahan and Sorella, and then ultimately Quenville as well, who's, kind of, again, more of a um, – Although, forget, uh, remind me, is, is John Quenville more of a defensive, offensive winger? They're def- we're definitely talking like third-line prospects here, or at least third-line uh, third guys. But, well, I mean, is there anybody here that kind of stands out, or do we think this is going to be the norm for this offseason from, uh, from Bowman? I, I don't think they're going to be – if they get a big forward, like a top-six forward, it's probably going to be signed in free agency and it'll probably happen on uh, July 1st, next Monday when free agency opens. Cause all the free, all the good free agents go within like the first three hours of free agency opening. And then that's it. So if they sign like a Joe Pavelski, perhaps, or a Ryan Dezingle or an Anders Lee, if they sign any of those guys, um, it'll probably happen quickly in free agency. Cause I don't think the Hawks are looking, cause I, I think they have options in the free agent market to bolster their top six. I don't think they have those options in free agency for defense because I don't think there's any top four defensemen available now that Eric Carlson resigned in San Jose. I don't think um, there was nobody on the free agency list that I looked at and thought that guy was a guy I wanted my top four. Um, Calvin DeHaan is a different story though. So, and, and, and Ali Mata, if he plays as well as he did uh, two years ago, two seasons ago, he might be that guy as well. But the, the Calvin DeHaan trade, the more and more I have been reading about it and thinking about it, is it seems like that is um, – th- this could be a really good trade for the Hawks. You, you got rid of Anton Forsberg, who probably was never going to play goalie for the Blackhawks because he got buried on the depth chart. And he was not good in Rockford last season. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was I, I, okay. Good. I was glad Brandon jumped in because I thought I heard somewhere that he was – I was reading somewhere that he was one of the better AHL goalies this he year. He was okay, but Lankinen's a better option in Rockford, and there's a – Yeah, going forward, but yeah, – either, either, either way, he was behind Lankinen. He was definitely <laughs> behind Colin Delia. And then Gustav Forsling just never seemed to quite pan out 
in uh, in Chicago. It just you know, it never seemed like he could stick. He had the, each of the last two seasons. He he had a good a good stretch of games with the Hawks, and then he went downhill, and then he ended up back in Rockford and stayed there the rest of the season. So you, you lost two players who probably were never going to be anything in your organization, and you added a guy who's a proven defensive-minded defenseman that the Blackhawks have so desperately needed. The way I've seen many people describe it on social media uh, since I've uh, been reading about this trade, and I'm going to pull up the tweet from Mark Lazarus from The Athletic because uh, I, I want to make ass. sure I get him quoted properly. But he said, hey, I'm not saying Calvin DeHaan is Nicholas Jalmerson, but he's the closest thing the Blackhawks have had to Jalmerson since they traded him. They needed a steady, reliable guy like this. It's an ideal trade for them. And uh, everybody else I'm reading seems to be uh, thinking the same thing. So it, it seems like the general consensus is the Hawks won this trade in a landslide. So uh, I have, I'm, I'm here for it. Go ahead, Brandon. <laughs> Light him up. Oh, um, no. I, the, <laughs> oh, me? <laughs> oh, no, the, it, it's a good trade. Um, for the Hurricanes, they open up salary space so they can um, – buy out Scott Darling's contract. And, and and I forgot the one more thing I want to add real quick, Brandon, I'm sorry, but it feels really refreshing that some other team had to make a trade to free up salary cap space and lost a good asset. And it wasn't the Blackhawks losing assets this time. Yes. But it's also like they have players that are coming up from Charlotte too. So they're creating cap space so they can buy out Darling's contract. And also opening up a roster spot for like Hayden Flurry or um, there's someone else too in Charlotte that I'm forgetting um, that can come up and play in the NHL. So it's, it's, it benefits them, but not in like the direct return aspect that you would see if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But that that's, I've, that's where we're at though. You know, it's, it's definitely a, unless you're, unless you're going to trade a bigger piece away <clears throat> shout out to a certain center third line um <laughs> you know i there's you can't expect a whole lot back in return but again if you're going to fill spaces where the team really needed players and again we had talked at the end of last season how you basically have your top six pretty much lined up um you really need to fill the bottom <laughs> six and the, these are two players that can definitely do that for you you know along with uh you know what you've got in the pipeline so i don't I, I like this. I absolutely like this. I like all three players. Um, and, and, and the other thing with Don, the, the Han trade is that the Blackhawks so badly needed penalty killing defensemen because oh they didn't God. have their penalty kill was so historically terrible last year. I think it's mm-hmm. been 30 years since someone had a penalty kill as bad as the Blackhawks. So, and yep. Calvin DeHaan, one of the first things I've read about him is that he's a penalty kill connoisseur. Is that the right word? I don't know. He's good on the PK. That's what okay. I'm trying to say. I like it. Oh, so, yeah. That's another huge area that he's going to help the Blackhawks. Nice. Yeah, no, I, so overall, I think this, I, we're going to call, let's call these trades and then the entire draft um, for the NHL. This is a little little stretch of Stan Bowman here. Um, it, we've now come to the draft grade section of our, uh, of our itinerary here. But instead of doing the traditional draft grades, let's just, you get yay, nay, or eh. Brandon, yay, nay, or eh. On the draft as a whole? Yeah, draft and draft week moves. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go 
yay on the draft because of Doc, Vlasic, and Sorelli or Sorella. Um, you can take what you will as me not mentioning the other names. Um, <laughs> the Hayden Quinville, uh, double yes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Higher, higher. I'm all for it. Um, and the Dahan move. All right. <laughs> that's the, that's I just want to see him healthy. Yeah. If he's healthy, this is a this is really good. Yeah, that I, I guess that's the main concern with Dahan is that he's got a he's coming off shoulder surgery. He's out four to six months, so he may not start the season with the team. But eh, we'll see. Dave, yay, nay, or eh? Uh, I was gonna go overall. Give him a yay. Because that's I, I I think I think the Blackhawks entire organization got better this weekend. They added to the prospects, they added to the NHL level, and I think they improved their uh, salary cap situation with uh or I, I think they just they, they got they're still they didn't do anything that ruined their financial future with the moves they made this weekend. Mm-hmm. They Absolutely. utilized their cap space wisely. Exactly. That yeah. that's what I'm trying to thank you, Brandon. I'm glad you could say it because I couldn't think of the right words. With plenty of room to spare. As yeah, well. and, and like the the I keep wanting to say Joel Quinville, but it's John Quinville's the guy that they traded for. I think that guy I, I he seems like a Rockford Ice Hogs top line scorer to me, and I don't think I think that's about the most to expect from him. Because he's been a point per game guy the last two seasons in the AHL. But every time he comes up to the NHL level, it just doesn't work for him. So he might tear things up for the Ice Hogs, but I'm not expecting anything out of him from the NHL level. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go overall. It was a yay as well. Um, so, yeah, no, pretty decent moves here. Hey, uh, y'all, we've got a commercial break coming up here. So uh, shout out to our corporate overlords for uh, dropping in <laughs> uh, the next 60 seconds of, uh, of advertisements into your ears. And on the other end, we're going to talk some trade options. We'll see you on the other side of a break. That our uh, that our parent company decided to uh, to thrust upon you. Um, I don't even know what it is. I think it does it change per person. Do we know, or is it the same commercials? Does anybody know? No one knows. Anybody? Nobody knows. Anyways, uh, we for one. Yeah, we for one welcome our new corporate overlords um, to the uh, the Second City uh, Second City Hockey. Good Second City Hockey Podcast Network. Let's move on before I say something else stupid. Um, yeah, it won't be long. So right. yeah, wonderful. So we're going to uh, we're going to open up the roster and the organization chart now. Um, there are some free agency moves that could be made, some trades that could be made to make this team better and that we know are going to be made uh, in one way, shape, or form. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, let us crack open the, uh, the, the rosters for next season. Brandon Kane, if you would be so kind, could you take us through the top, the guaranteed top, it's basically going to be the top two lines of the Chicago Blackhawks offense next season? 
I suppose. <clears throat> so we'll have uh, Drake Kajulia as the left wing, Jonathan Taves centering, Patrick Kane at right wing. Uh, second line, you've got Dabrinkit, <laughs> Strom, and Brendan Perlini, who's already begun uh, contract negotiations to re-sign with the Blackhawks. So um, he'll be the second line right winger. Currently a restricted free agent. Um, sweet. Uh, Dave Melton, do you want to forecast for us uh, and or, well, whom you think is going to, uh, to populate the lower two lines of the offense? We've got third line and fourth line. Why don't you take us through uh, what, what, again, assuming that there's no trades made, uh, what the lineup's going to look like? I I missed out. Did Brandon say? Did Brandon use Sod at all in his top six? He didn't. No. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I think I think if the Blackhawks, I, I think you want to pencil in Brandon Sod as your third line left winger. Because I think he'd be that'd be a really good spot for him. Um, just because it seems like he can he can skate with the top six if you need him to, but he put him down on the third line against inferior competition and he'll torch him pretty well. Your center. It's probably going to be Artem Anisimov, maybe Kirby Doc, maybe if he makes the team out of camp, and then that might lead to some trade situations that we could talk about later. Mm-hmm. And then your, your right wing could be any number of guys, but I think for right now I'm going to put Dylan Sakura into that spot because Ooh. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be due to uh, to make yeah. the team this year, and maybe and I think. Doo doo. <laughs> I think he's actually going to score a goal this year. I think he's he's wait in which level of professional hockey? The NHL. NHL? Oh, okay. All right. And then and then your That's your fourth line center is going to be David Kampf, who keeps proving himself in a defensive role and, and is proving to be fairly reliable in that defensive role. I, I think he's I think he's underrated on this team. And as long as they sign him to another cheap contract, mm-hmm. which is what you usually get for your fourth line center, I think he could be a he could be to this team what Marcus Kruger was to the 13 and 15 teams. Nice. Um, and then as far as the fourth line wingers, um, there's, there's a whole host of guys that it could be. I think Dominic Kubelik is going to be one of them for sure. The, uh, the, the free agent they signed in the off Did they sign him or did they trade for him? I forgot how they acquired him. They uh, traded, they traded for a, the Kings, right? Yeah. Fifth round pick that That's they right. acquired okay. from, the Jan Ruda trade. Mm-hmm. And then, then the other guy, and then the other fourth line winger, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there's so many names. I mean, it could be Anton Whedon. It could be Matthew Highmore if he's healthy. It could be Philip Kurashev if he continues the upward trend he's been on lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's I, it's, there's so many guys that that could be. I, I got a hard time picking one, so I'm going to cop out and say it could be any one of those guys. That's fair. But ultimately, in lining up, which, by the way, wonderful, outstanding work, gentlemen. So now that we've got the uh, the top four lines, the top 12 figured out here, who off that roster do you think is the most trade baitable of the 12? Brandon, well, go. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was uh, really excited. I think... <laughs> I think Saad is the most tradable asset just because he can play offensively and defensively. Mm. Um, and saying that he's a the third line left winger just means like 
when you look at like the depth chart of the lines, that doesn't mean his minutes are going to reflect that he's a third line player. Mm-hmm. Right. So. so you're sticking with Brandon Saad. Yeah. It's like someone who's going to bring you back the most value. Yeah. Dave. I would agree with that, but I think the guy that they need to trade more than anybody else is Artem Anisimov. Cause I oh, don't yeah. think, I think with, yeah, Brandon Saad's going to get you the biggest return, but I think the guy that's most, I, I guess the biggest miscast on this roster right now is Artem Anisimov, especially if Kirby Doc uh, goes to prospect camp and, and uh, some of the other things in the offseason and looks like the real deal. I think Artem Anisimov needs to be traded immediately to open a spot for Doc, get him up at the NHL level, let him learn from Taze and Strom, and let him become your, you know, in two or three years, you'll have your number one defenseman for the next decade. Like you could have theoretically, if if Taves goes into, if he reverses his decline and Kirby Doc ascends to number one, you could go right down the middle with uh, Doc at number one, Strom at number two, which is where he might Strom might not quite be a number one, but he'd be a damn good number two center. Mm-hmm. Taves at three in a more defensive role, which he can do, and then Confin the fourth center, and you could run with that for the next five six years and do very well for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I also think with moving Anisimov, um, say Doc plays, you know, X amount of games, so he doesn't, you know, he plays out that nine-game tryout, um, so he doesn't burn a year of his contract, um, which he hasn't signed, but all signs point to him signing one. Um, so he he plays out those games, goes back to the WHL. If you trade Anisimov, that's fine. Because you can have um, camp slide up to the third center role, and then have Highmore, Jacob Nielsen, um, Luke Johnson, if they decide to bring him back. Mm-hmm. There's a gluttony of guys that you can choose from for a fourth line center um, for a year. So if Doc goes back to the WHL, and then have him come back next year in a full time role, put him as that third line guy bump camp down to a fourth line guy and you're all set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree. Yeah. The guy that you absolutely have to get off the books, especially this season is Artem Anisimov. Right now he's taking up $4.5 million a year in cap space, which if you added that into what the current hit would be, um, you're looking at an additional 15 million that you could spend on uh, on that team, and center is clearly a position that's been backlogged for a while. Um, Brandon mentioned a uh, a recently healthy Matthew Highmore um, back from uh, was it a broken collarbone last season? Um, uh, it was a or a busted shoulder. Yeah, Left something shoulder, like I think, yeah. something like that. So he he only played um, the first couple of months of the season before sitting out for four months. Um, came back to play late um, to try to get Rockford into at least a playoff spot. But yeah, you've got him pretty much ready to go. Um, you also have the the newly acquired Reese Johnson, who we got to watch a little bit last season. Um, kind of the what we at least called the Jonathan Taze faceoff winning, which. Good God, man. That's another thing the Hawks could really use would be, you know, a center that could win a faceoff, um, which Marcus Kruger was that, but he's not going to be re-signed. And I think that's been publicly known at least for a little bit. But then, yeah, behind that, you're looking at an additional four guys in the AHL system 
And then on top of that, you've got ultimately seven other centers, not including the draft picks um, that just came in as well. So you've got a pretty backloaded center position. Um, You don't need a 31-year-old kind of grease man center now that you've got um, what ultimately is going to be kind of that, you know, get her done grease man center in Kirby doc that you drafted. But again, like you guys have mentioned, it all depends on when doc enters the lineup um, for the Blackhawks, you know, compared to uh, compared to stand down, um, you know, in juniors for one more year, which again is going to be super interesting to see if that happens. Um, And uh, another interesting side of things too, is the wings, which, um, in terms of trade options or in terms of free agents, um, do you guys see any possible uh, free agent options or do you see any possible trades that the Hawks could bring in either at that center position or um, in, again, kind of that third line, fourth line wing position that could maybe bolster this offense even more? Uh, we'll start with Dave. Yeah, the, the name I keep coming back to is Joe Pavelski because I, I've been a Joe Pavelski fan for about a decade. I've always enjoyed watching him. Good old American boy, too, watching him play for Team USA in some of the Olympics. So uh, the only issue is he's 34 years old. So, and, um, you know, at, at some point he's probably going to regress, even though he just put up another 60-point season with 38 goals last year in San Jose. Um, so the, the issue with a guy like that is that you might overpay to get him on your roster, and then he – all of a sudden father time catches up to him and you're paying $6 million for a guy who scores 15 goals. Excuse me. So I, that's, that's a concern with Pavelski, but if he stays at the level he's been at, that's another one. Um, another two names that have kind of floated around uh, Anders Lee is one. The Hawks have reportedly been interested in meeting with. He's been playing for the Islanders the last few years, putting up decent numbers. Another guy that would round out the Blackhawks top six pretty well in his last couple of well, – excuse me, he was the – and I should also point out he was the captain for the Islanders last season. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a 34-goal season in 2016-17. He scored 40 goals in 17-18. Numbers went down a little bit with only 28 last year, but that was a, uh, a pretty defensive-minded team in New York this year. So maybe you get him on a more offensive-minded role, he gets back up into the 30 range. And uh, the only issue with him is not quite the fastest skater – but he does bring you a ton of size at 6'3", 231, something that the Blackhawks may not have a lot of in their top six. The other name that keeps getting thrown out there, and I haven't heard if the Blackhawks are planning on meeting with him or not, but there's the local connection with Ryan Dezingle because he's from Wheaton, Illinois. And coming off a, uh, a season where he played 78 games and scored 26 goals, split between Ottawa and Columbus. In the postseason with the Blue Jackets, though, not the best run in nine games. He only scored one goal. I, so I imagine you want to see more, more than production Dylan out Sakura. of that. Say that again? More than Dylan Sakura. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Uh, or Henry Yokoharu. Well, yeah, they didn't play in the NHL playoffs this year, Brad. <laughs> in the regular I, season, Dave. All right. Well, he had 21, 28 goals, 26 goals, however many. Exactly. Um, Either so way, Ryan Dezingle is another guy that he'd be fine. I think Lee and Dezingle are a little bit younger than Pavelski. So that's, again, a situation where you're worried about them committing long-term to guys and, and you hope they produce at the level that they are they, – they, uh, at the level of their salary cap hit. So um, – but it's free – and Lee and Dezingler are the guys I'm kind of worried about because they always seem 
Uh, they seem like the exact type of guys to get wildly overpaid in free agency because there's not a ton of options out there. So teams get into bidding wars with each other to get these guys' services, and they end up with like seven or eight million dollar contracts that they clearly don't uh, match their production levels. So if the Hawks get into one of those bidding wars, that wouldn't be the greatest for those two guys. That's why uh, I think taking a one or two year flyer on someone like Pavelski, who's near the end of his career but still might have something left, could be a, a more interesting option. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Brandon, any thoughts? Um, I think <laughs> Pavelski is an interesting option because he can play center and wing. And just looking up now, Pavelski has won 55% of his faceoffs on average for his career. Woo! And Strom is at 46. Let's go. So would you put Pavelski in the middle at center and then put Dabrinkit at right wing and Strom at left? I think that would be the option that you would have to do on that second line if you were to bring in Pavelski. Um, I, I could I could get on board with that. And then with with Anders Lee, I'm like super biased on this because he went to Notre Dame. So like, I don't know. I'd be all for it. Oh, but, I, I I did see the Notre Dame thing. I forgot to mention that. Thank you, Brandon. Um, <laughs> and Stan Bowman's also an alum of Notre Dame. So. Oh God! Oh, he's coming here, isn't he? Um, I'm just I'm just putting connections and together for people. The other, um, the, he the also other, played for the Green Bay Gamblers, and Bowman's been known to tap into Green Bay alums with Nick Fultz and some other yeah. guys. So. Him and Dennis Gilbert both are going to represent Notre Dame on the block. Going, going for the deep cuts there. The other concern with any of these free agent Ford signings, if you sign top six guys, is um, right now you're sitting at 58 million committed to 11 guys for the 20 the 20 to 21 season. And that doesn't include massive raises for Dylan Strom and Alex to So yeah. it, it, the concern is if you, if you throw too much money at any of those free agent guys right now, you're going to lose one of those two, or you're not going to be able to afford them. So yeah. that's, that's the trade-off with, with these big free agent moves. And Lee turns 29 in July. And I think the Zingle is like my Zingle's 27, I think. Yeah. So, um, I mean, all these guys are going to be on the, the other side of 25. Yeah. The, the one-year flyer on Pavelski could be very interesting. I mean, it, it'd be different because I don't know if the Hawks are going all in for a cup this year, and Pavelski's probably getting to the age where he's looking for a one-year run at the cup. So, But if, if they can – somewhere for if you sign Pavelski, I think you uh, – again, I think that's a – you sign Pavelski, you have to trade Artem Anisimov just to make room yeah. for someone else. I also would just love to see the – like the domino effect on that. Like if guys just go out and say, I'm going to be here for a year or two years, pay me big money. Let's do it to see if that like ripples throughout the rest of the NHL, like with, uh, with Yarmo and the blue jackets just saying, screw it and going for it. Like, I just want to see more teams do it. Cause I just want, I just want chaos. I want to see it. <laughs> it, w- it was it was fun to watch Columbus go for it and then kind of get rewarded for a while. I know it didn't mm-hmm. ultimately get them as far as they wanted, but you know they they had it. They did sweep the the lightning that no one expected. So yeah, yeah, I just think it'd be well. First off, like the NHL needs to like space out their off season a little bit, mm-hmm. but also like hey man, you got to make way for the CPHL. Okay, give it respect. <laughs> It would just make way, gotta make way for everyone's golf. So much more fun to to follow. 
to see guys just being like, oh, nope, I'm going to leave. But, you know, hockey players just don't want to move their shit. So, mm-hmm. Which was kind of like on the, on the 22nd when P.K. Subban got moved to New Jersey from Nashville, it to- I, that's what I had heard. I did not hear about Patrick Marlowe on the same day. That's that move happened, which again, going from, or he goes to Carolina from, uh, from Toronto, which, um, and I know the girls talked about this on, on the Monday show about how, uh, yeah, you maybe want to just incorporate maybe a little higher salary cap, or maybe you just do the, the baseball luxury tax option and then everybody's happy, but then you don't want to end up with quite the golden state warrior NBA situation, but I don't, I still don't think that would be a thing. Um, and the I love, that wouldn't be a thing in hockey, no. Because I, lo- I love the chance. idea somebody had of uh, you you discount the uh, you discount the salaries of players that you drafted. You, they're like some you get like a twenty five percent discount on the salary cap if you draft that guy and sign him. So like on cap Steph- space, yeah. On on the the cap hit is is negated by twenty five percent. So for Taves and Ken, you'd probably take like. 2.7 something million off of their cap hits because mm. the Hawks drafted and kept those guys. That would be an interesting one for me. Yeah. That'd, that'd I think really the only, like going back to the free agent thing, I think the only one that would make like sense in a bottom six role, I guess. I mean, he could play on the top line if Cajulio doesn't play like he was before he got injured, uh, would be Michael Furland from Carolina. Mm. But they just traded with them, so that's probably not going to – I don't know. What's up, Arizona? Pick up another one. Just How's it going? Then that would make it Carolina or Hurricanes. Are there, any other, are there any other former first-round picks that are struggling with their teams and need a change of scenery? Because that seems to be the Blackhawks' specialty right now. I think he's picked up five or six now because Quinville was a John Q. I'm going to call him John Q. What's, John Q. I, how do you say Piarvi's name? The kid from Edmonton that was uh, supposed to be getting oh, shot. Oh, Paul Yarvey. Paul Yarvey. Yeah, there you go. Watch the Hawks add him next. Yeah. <laughs> On that bombshell, let's uh, let's jump across the uh, the roster over to the blue line. Um, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, this gets uh, this gets fun. Um, we're gonna do the same thing we just did, <laughs> or attempt to do the same thing we just did. Uh, lining up the uh, the top six defensemen and then figuring out what the hell we're going to do. Um, Brandon, you seemingly have this together between the three of us. You have it the most together. So why don't you just tell the people sure he does. Your, th- <laughs> your top three defensive lines for the Blackhawks and then we can get further into what the hell uh, do is uh, what the hell do is does the Blackhawks do uh, moving here into free agency slash trade talk because there's a lot to be done, but okay. there's options. So, so here's going to be like the most effective. Hold on to your beers, everybody. Pairings. All right. Keith and Connor Murphy is your top pairing. Then Dahan and Gustafson. Olimata and Slater Cuckoo. And you can have Seabrook as your seventh. Obviously, it would make a lot more sense to have Henry Yokiharu there, but based on what Cuckoo gave Mm -hmm. after the trade to Chicago, he was playing top four minutes. He had 
positives in multiple categories. Super efficient. Um, did he look bad defensively at times? Yes. Not as bad that, as Gustav Forsling. Yeah. Um, but that would be your most effective pairing. I would rather have someone moved out like somehow um, to make room for Yoki Haru because you don't want to have that contract year be spent in the AHL after he split a season basically last year mm-hmm. between Chicago and Rockford. So mm-hmm. that's where you have – well, you also have Carl Dahlstrom, but I would do away with him. Yeah, there's, immediately. we can but. talk about that. Um, so one <laughs> more time. So you have Keith and Murphy, Dehan and Mata, Sl- Slater Dehan and, and Gustafson. Oh, gotcha. Dehan and Gus, Mata and Cuckoo. Yes. And then slot in Seabrook at the seven. Yep. Okay. Dave, are we in agreement with that? Well, Yokohari, I think Yokohari is going to be up there somewhere. Cause, um, Where? Well, I don't, I don't know. But, well, what are you going to do for the first month or two when Dahan's still coming off surgery? Okay, so with that, this is a good point. So that's when you put Mata with Yoki Haru, and then you have Cuckoo with Gustafson. Okay. Got, got it. So basically well, you put the you put the Penguins veteran with the still trying to develop 29th pick in Henry Yokoharu from a couple of seasons ago. He, no longer 19 years old by the way. Shout out to Rockford yeah. Twitter. Um the uh you, you pair the two fins together. Uh-huh. And then uh and totally disrespect Notre Dame legend Dennis Gilbert. All right, I get that. I can I can see that. Um, I don't hate that play. And then ultimately, yeah, when Dahan comes back, um, cause yeah, right now, again, if you're looking at the cap friendly page, there's ultimately five guys that are a lot of money. And then after that, it gets kind of open, um, between Seabrook and Keith, obviously, um, don't need to beat a dead horse. Um, Dahan's a $4.5 million cap hit a year. Uh, Mata's basically a 4.1 cap hit the next three seasons. And then Connor Murphy's a $3.8 million cap hit the next three seasons as well. But you can't really move Murphy. I mean, you could, but you can't really move Connor Murphy because he's one of the few right defensemen that this team actually has. So um, Murphy's like the Brandon side of the defense is that you'd probably, he'd probably fetch you the most value in a trade, but he'd probably open up a whole, too big to be replaced by whatever they get. Right. So I don't, I don't think I, and I think Murphy is significantly less likely to be traded than Saad is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that assessment, defense. Dave. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. And defense as a whole. Nice work, Dave. Way to go. Um, I have one or two every now and then. Because the only, because right now the only true right defenseman that you have in the pipeline is playing in London. In Adam Boquist. So, and what happens if Adam Boquist shows up in, in camp this year and blows them away and has to be on the roster too? Well, I, just, I don't know, Dave. That's <laughs> I can't I just, right now. All right, we can I, take I just, the we can take the roster and push it somewhere else. I think there's a lot. I think there's multiple defensemen getting moved between now and the start also, of. The I just want to say thank God Ian Mitchell is going back to Denver next season. Oh my God! Yes. Holy shit! I this would be. 
out of control. That'd be a yeah. major cluster. Yeah, but then, then we get to April, and he might be worthy of an NHL spot as well. I just – yeah, there's just there, – there's too many guys here. There's, there's just – there's too many. I mean, between Slater, Cuckoo I, – I'm not as high on Cuckoo as you guys seem to be. I think – I don't think he's anything. Uh, I know the Hawks were using him in a big role last year, but look at how that worked out last season. He was decent. He, for a top four, he, eh. he, was, he was more consistent. He was, right. he was decent on the worst defense in the league. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Well, ultimately, and again, if you're going to hit a bar, you better hit a bar. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. But I mean, like between Slater Cuckoo, Carl Dahlstrom, I mean, heck, even Eric Gustafson, like some of these guys got to go, man. There's like there's just there's too many, and with all these guys coming up in the pipeline, like unless the Hawks are going to have a massive fire sale of every single NHL player that they have in the system or every defenseman in the system next summer, like. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where all these guys are going to find this ice time at. Uh huh. Well, so let's go through the contracted non-roster defensemen currently, which is Dennis Gilbert for the next two seasons, Henry Okaharu for the next two seasons, uh, Nicholas Bodine for the next three seasons. Same with Adam Boquist. Uh, my guy Chad Chris, who Chad Chris is awesome, and if you don't, if people go watch him in Rockford this year because that kid can play. Um. Because he's not going back to school, correct, Brandon? Yeah, he signed. There you go. Um, Lucas Carlson <laughs> and Yoni Tulula. Um, Tulula, this is his last season under contract as well. Um, oh, thank you. I said non-roster defenseman. I thought I said non-contracted defenseman. Um, anyways, the, you've got a surplus, and this is definitely the place where you need to move players. Um, you're already – very likely losing three and Andrew Campbell, Brandon Davidson and Blake Hillman. Um, although Hillman's still technically an option as a restricted free agent. So there's a lot there. Um, and I will read what Brandon just DM'd us on our, uh, on our little chat here. Um, he goes, here's your pairings. He goes, it's Keith and Murphy, Dahan and, uh, and ultimately Slater or Gus, uh, Mata, Yokiharu, Seabrook seven, Dahlstrom, Bye. So, I mean, <laughs> which I true. which I don't hate that play. Um, I'd I'd keep Dalsham over Slater. I'm just no, I'm saying that just, ultimately it's it's. Not, but I think I think we're arguing between two third pairing defensemen there anyway. So ultimately, right. So which you're probably going to need to package at least one of those guys, or you could just put them both together. Um, you package one of those guys with very likely one of these prospects like maybe an Adam Boquist or like maybe a Nicholas Bowden or somebody down there to where you can ultimately go, Hey, um, you want this for a big, you know, top four defenseman, which, you know, I guess is maybe the segue here, gentlemen, do we, do we think there's room to make a move? And if so, what's the move that could be made? Um, either for trade or if you sign a free agent? I think if they make a trade, they'll trade Gustafson with the thought that Boquist can step in because that's kind of the the equivalent skill set right now is mm-hmm. Boquist is known for being able to quarterback the power play, so is Gustafson. You're, you're never going to get as much value in Gustafson as you are right now. So... Mm-hmm. You trade him now, open up a spot. If 
for Boquist to slide in. Um, Boquist has three options. He can play in the NHL, he can play in the AHL, and he can go back to London. So, Where he's been crushing it. Really, it's going to be telling if they trade Gustafson where Boquist is in his development. Yeah. I, you, you beat me to the point I was going to make. If they decide to trade, if, if Eric Gustafson gets traded this summer, Adam Boquist would have to, I would assume, would be ready for the, the big show next year. I, I'm with you, Brandon. I think if they make a trade, it's going to be on the defensive side of the game. And I think they might, I think they could still use like a top two or top four defenseman. Or, or I would love yes. another top two guy if I don't know how you land that. I mean, P.K. Subban just got traded, so I don't know what other guys are even close to being on the market. But if you can get one more top four guy, I don't know if they have a number one or number two defenseman, but if you get enough guys in the top four area, maybe that's good enough because I, I really think the Hawks' offense is going to be pretty good next year. I mean, mm-hmm. their offense was pretty darn good last season. I, don't, I think they finished in the top ten in the league in scoring, but it was offset by the fact that they gave up the, the, the most goals in the, or second most goals in the NHL. They were number eight in goals scored with 267 and they gave up 291. If you just made them an average defensive team last year, which would have been 244 goals against, that's a goal that would have been 267, four and 244 goals against that's plus 23. That's at least a playoff team. If not, Mm -hmm. You know, if, if not a near the top of the division. So you improve that, get that defense just to average with the offense they've had. And we might have, you know, we might have playoffs to talk about next April instead of off season already. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the other thing too, it, coming off of last season, the Hawks had improved six points, right? Um, yeah. So you improve six points to 84 overall. So really all you need to find are seven more points ideally is again is when you start to that low 90s range is where you start to talk wild card which is really all you need to look for and the offense itself could bolster them into that you know with with the talent that they currently have but to take that next step which again assuming with the full year of Jeremy Colladin which again assuming that Colladin's the right answer at least at the head coaching position and you have Corey Crawford hopefully for the entire year and a decent Colin Delia backing him up the whole way you know, you can find seven more points to, to, to get that hurdle into the nineties range, but then ultimately, yeah, you need to find one more clutch piece. And I'm with you, Dave, man, if you can find, even if you have to spend a little bit extra out of the talent pool to get a top four defenseman, dear God, do it. Like, yeah. And not like, like we, we were just talking about all the defensemen that they have, like not everybody can be on this team in two years. Like they have too many guys on the blue line right now. Someone's got to go and, and mm-hmm. they can't just let everybody walk in free agency for nothing. I mean, like you were mentioning, they get the five guys at the top, Seabrook, Keith, Dehan, Mott, and Murphy. They're all locked up for three seasons at mm-hmm. least. So, you know, I mean, the Seabrook contract is obviously going to be almost impossible to unload, but, um, all the other guys, maybe the prospects or, you know, the, the Slater Cuckoos or Carl Dahlstrom's or Gustafson, like you said, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's room there. There are players that can be shipped off and, and to create room for the prospects coming up. Yep. Yeah. Cause it's not like there's a whole lot of room in, in the AHL either. Cause they did re-sign McArdle and, uh, and Osipov for another season. Um, but those are AHL deals. Right. 
which ultimately, though, I'm again, you look at the prospect list, there's currently nine guys unsigned on top of the five that are signed or six that are signed. Um, so there's, I, there's so much in the, in the pipeline, which is not a bad thing. You just need to spend that wisely. And that's, I don't, I don't have any problem with them trading away that chunk of pipeline to fill one to two spots this season, at least in the big club with having, you know, maybe a key piece to build around um, again, ideally a top four defenseman. Now the question just becomes, where do you get said top four defenseman? I think you could look in the direction you could potentially look in the direction of, uh, of San Jose, considering they just spent all of the monies on Eric Carlson. So maybe they want to give up some of their higher end defensemen that at least played the top two lines last season um, to clear up some cap space. Again, Arizona seems to be a decent spot. Um, Do you guys have any ideas or anybody that you think the Hawks could potentially trade with? Um, Maybe not necessarily players, but, um, you know, teams that would be looking to deal to make room for some cap space um, and build a pipeline potentially for for future teams to come. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs need some cap space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, I mean, they're... Marlowe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seabrook for Mitch Marner, straight up. Straight up. That's it. Write the check. But, I mean, I... Break that down, Don. I don't know. It's... The weird thing with trying to figure out who the Blackhawks are going to trade with is every time – it feels like every time you think you know where the Blackhawks are going to trade, they Bowman makes a left turn and trades with somebody that wasn't talked about at all. So I I, I honestly have no idea. After the DeHaan trade, they, they uh, I think Jay Zawoski actually tweeted about that this morning. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a, tire, a total shock, but – I mean, I mean, I I could see the Hawks going after the Pujarvi in uh in Edmonton just to add a top uh another potential top six forward, another first round pick that needs a change of scenery. And they um, also need center depth, so that wouldn't be a bad move. Yeah, yeah, Anis- to give them a Nisimov. <laughs> if he was a Nisimov for Pujarvi, I would, you know, I'll build the Bowman statue. <laughs> what? Um, um, I th- yeah, I just, I think when you talk about like trading away defensive prospects you put adam boquist in a little corner like he's not going to be traded that they've invested way too much they said he was going to be the next eric carlson so they're not going to give up on him in two years yeah so and then your defensive prospect that's going to fetch you the most return that hasn't played in the nhl is probably ian mitchell I see. I probably. I, I think between Mitchell and Bowden, I think if they move a, a prospect, I think it's one of those two guys. A prospect, and again, a prospect with a current roster spot. Again, yeah. Well, right. and, and and Mitchell doesn't even have a roster spot because he hasn't signed yet. But but he'd still like you know he trade his rights at least. Well, yeah, him and then like a Dahlstrom or a Cuckoo or or Gus or something, you know pick a piece sort of a thing. Um, I'm just looking at the the TSN trade bait list. Um, the defenseman they have listed is Nikita Zaitsev, who I don't think has been moved yet. Um, but that's four and a half mil for the next five years as well. And I don't think you want, uh, he's, he is 27 though. So it's not quite another Seabrook contract, but it's pretty damn close. Um, the, 
the 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 kind of fun one is is Ryan Murray out of Columbus, which I don't think they re-signed him, did they? No. So that's an option. Um, you also have Tyson Berry out of Colorado, but that's five mil for a year. Yeesh. Um, and it's a slightly outdated list because they've also got PK Subban on here as well. Um, but one here that kind of looks interesting that you could potentially – you'd have to talk with Pittsburgh again. I know they've already traded with him, but, uh, but what about Chris Letang? Out of Pittsburgh as a right oh. defenseman at 32 for the next three seasons. For how much? For a top four defenseman. Well, he's currently at seven, seven, seven and a quarter. Man, that's, that's where you maybe go half seas on him. You send Pittsburgh some prospects. You know, you pick up that contract for three, four mil for three years to have Chris Letang. He's, I, he just, he's, he's always hurt. It's true. He's hurt, man. And they also, and like the other thing with Latang is, he has a no movement clause through that's, that's 2021. So and if we, he has a list of 18 teams he can be traded to. Yeah, and they <laughs> yeah. can waive those. They can waive those right before the expansion draft, which is something you also have to like when like the whole roster shuffling thing is going on to like, oh, how many players will have to be protected and. Mm could be expo- 